G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. You know, it's oftentimes the idea of talking about marriage because marriage is such an important element of families and people who are aspiring to have children and be a family. But not everybody is aspiring to be married. In fact, singleness is a high pursuit It's a good pursuit, and it's something that we can even identify from the Bible is actually a good thing. Well, a new book that's been released is called Surviving Singledom. The author is Steph Penny, and Steph is joining us to talk through the issues about singleness today. Hello, Steph. Welcome along to 2020. Hi, Neil. Thanks for having me. It's a great pleasure. Well, Steph, uh, need I ask, the inspiration for writing a book about singledom, I imagine you're single. (laughs) I was single. I got married in my late 20s, and as such, you know, getting married in your late 20s is not unusual when it comes to our society at large. Lots of people are marrying in their 30s, their 40s, even later. But in the church, it seems quite an unusual thing to wait till your late 20s. Most people are married by the age of 21. Um, And so I had a, a great many experiences, not as many as some, but a, a great many experiences of that singledom in the church context, and that was part of what inspired me to write about it. Okay, well, that's taken me a little by surprise because I thought you were going to be speaking from the position of someone who was single, but it's interesting because not everyone's aspiration will be to marry, but most mm. people who are single, that's one of the thoughts and one of the battles that's going on inside, this do I stay single, do I get married? And uh, I suppose it is a good thing to pursue marriage, to pursue an eventual family, but it's a matter of maintaining an equilibrium while you are in those single years. Yeah, and I think that's really hard to do. I think our society is driven by discontentment. I think our society um, promotes romance and and ideas of love being a, a high and noble pursuit, possibly even the highest. And when you're surrounded by... Uh, that cultural norm, it can be very difficult to be content as a single person, even if you feel like that's what God God is calling you to. Uh, There can be times when you can be very frustrated in that state and you can feel very isolated as a single person, even when you're part of a church community. Um, So I appreciate the difficulty in that, and I certainly had that own difficulty uh, when I was a single person. Um, And yes, I did end up marrying, uh, but it didn't happen um, easily or rapidly for me. And it didn't happen when I started praying for it. So, yeah, it can bring up um, a lot of confusion and frustration as a Christian. Well, Steph, what I appreciate about you is that you've applied your gifts and your talents to be able to almost dissect what it is to be single. Now, you are a Mm -hmm. psychologist and Mm -hmm. you've been able to use your gifts. You are well-equipped to be able to express views on a broad range of social issues surrounding singleness. But let me come to the issues of singleness in church life. 
what have you found about Christian singles? Is there something that is special, unique? They have particular issues or concerns? Well, I find it interesting, and this is drawn from my experience and the experience of other Christian singles that I've had conversations with over the years, is that there tend to be similar themes, similar assumptions that are made about singles in the church. Um, So sometimes they are, I guess what I call like positive kind of assumptions, assumptions that they're happy, that they um, chose a life of singleness, that they have a gift of singleness, which um, in my book I kind of address as being a bit of a myth, possibly. Um, Assumptions that singles have a lot of free time, a lot of cash, therefore they can give a lot to the church and they're um, always available to help out. Um, but sometimes there's kind of more negative uh, connotations in those assumptions as well. So there could be assumptions that, um, well, singles are unhappy. Um, singles feel incomplete as people. They feel that they're not whole un- until they're married. Um, sometimes there's assumptions about uh, singles and their capacity to be in ministry while they are still single. Um, And I know this has been a bit of a hot topic. Um, I know that especially for women um, and for feminists, it can be a very hot topic about, you know, gender equality in ministry. Uh, But certainly there are uh, controversial, I guess, differing ideas around um, what singles uh, can and can't do in church, how they may be able to serve and what that means if they do serve, what it means if they don't. Um, so, yeah, unfortunately, there can be a lot of um, judgments made about singles in the Christian community. I imagine there's a need for some level of adjustment of attitude. Perhaps if you're a part of church and you might be married, you might have been married for a long time, but there are single people mm-hmm. in church. Uh, do single people need special care, as special attention? Do they need to be recognised in their singleness or recognised in their aspiration that they might one day have uh, the ideal romance, meeting Mr. Right or Miss Right? How do we treat singles? What sort of things have to change in church life by uh, ordinary people in church who might not be single? Mm, I think it's actually a, a complex question, but I have a couple of thoughts on that. And one thought is that, um, you know, I was talking to a, a single minister in our church recently. Um, so she's a single lady in ministry. And she was commenting that churches sometimes form this dichotomy around these issues. So, you know, we've got these programs for married. Um, and, oh, yikes, we've forgotten a single. So we better also develop a program for singles. And they can be really worthwhile programs. Um, they can also kind of backfire as well. Or they can become a bit of a like a pity party for singles. So I think that if the church is going to respond to singles in a congregation, it needs to be firstly out of real relationship, out of authentic, you know, you belong to our family relationship, rather than we need to devise a program so that we kind of feel like, yeah, they're taken care of. Um, I think real relationship needs to come out of genuine empathy for singles, which is different to sympathy. It's different to just I have pity on you or I feel sorry for you if you're unhappy in your single state. It's more about I want to join with you in genuine friendship 
So however long this journey goes, I want to walk with you on this journey and help you bear it and take it on board. And I think that's a kind of empathy that singles are looking for. That That's real. That doesn't smack of pity. Um, and I think that's the kind of relationship that ultimately God is after as well, is authenticity in every aspect of church life. And I guess that has to start at the top, doesn't it? It has to start with the person who is in charge, the senior minister or the priest, the person who's leading that church, because they do, in some sense, uh, set an example of how singles are going to be treated in church life. I think that certainly senior ministers and pastors have a lot of influence over the culture of their church, and there's a lot they can do in role modelling that authentic, genuine relationship. Having said that, I think that there is um, something to be said for whole-of-body ministry, which is um, an approach in churches that says that each member of the, the Christian community is capable of um, walking in their own relationship with God and hearing the Holy Spirit and being led by the Holy Spirit in how they uh, reach out to others and, and deal with others in everyday life. Um, and that goes for singles as well. So sometimes, you know, the onus can be on the single person to say, hey, look, I'm not traveling so well. I kind of, you know, I need a bit of TLC. I need a bit of, um, you know, distraction. I need a bit of, a, a bit of practical help. Uh, with life at the moment, um, I'm putting my hand up, you know, I'm putting myself out there. Um, and at other times, yeah, you know, it's up to the church to kind of be a bit on the lookout for those who might feel perhaps on the fringes. Um, and by that, I don't just mean single, that that could potentially be anybody who seems a bit excluded from the larger church group. Um, but I do think the church has a responsibility to be looking out for those who are poor and, and stigmatized and marginalized, including potentially the, the singles in their community, and to be taking some initiatives. So to be saying, look, how are you traveling? How's it really going? Like beyond the whole, you know, the cliches of it's all good and God's on the throne and I'll be all right. You know, what's it really like for you at home at the moment when you're on your own? You know, when the phone calls have stopped and the movie's finished, what's life really like for you right now? And I think the more we can forge those connections with one another, hopefully led by senior leadership in our churches, um, I think the more it can feel like a real family, not just a token family of God, but where um, people can be real and um, candid in their relationships with one another. We're talking with author Steph Penny. Steph has written a book called Surviving Singledom. And for anyone who is single, you might be wanting to get a hold of it. You can get a hold of it at Steph's website, stephpenny.com. Steph Penny, that's S-T-E-P-H, penny.com. And the book is Surviving Singledom. We'll talk some more about that book in just a short while. We're talking through the issues of being single. Uh, we talk a lot about marriage on this program and the challenges that that faces, uh, the challenge to defend marriage. And so I guess in some sense, uh, we do try to talk about marriage in a positive light. And sometimes people might say, well, aren't you idealizing marriage? Well, we're talking singledom today with the author, Steph Penny, whose book is called Surviving Singledom. Steph, if we talk about people who are single, is there a sense in which in church life we've idealized marriage so much that somehow or other that's left single people uh, in a state of a little bit like limbo? They're, they don't know which way to go. 
Yeah, Neil, I'd say that's definitely the case. Um, but I don't hold the church 100% responsible for that. I think there are cultural norms around, um, uh, you know, that, that romance is the highest pursuit, um, the most noble pursuit that we can um, uh, achieve in our lifetimes. Um, all, a lot of movies and songs um, reinforce that idea, you know, all you need is love and, and love conquers all. I think it's only natural that the church sometimes gets a bit um, influenced by those ideals. But I, I do think even in the church there is some aspect of, you know, yes, uh, once you are married, then that's a bit of a, a rite of passage into adulthood almost. Um, I spoke with a lady not too long ago, a Christian uh, single lady, who's a missionary, and she's 61 years old. In her church, she's still called a girl. There's this idea that because she's still single, even though she's been in missionary uh, work for decades, that she hasn't quite yet fully matured, that she's not quite an adult yet. Um, and it's not just her story. There's other stories I've heard of, of uh, people in their 20s and 30s who still feel as though they're treated like mm, they're not quite there yet, not quite ready for ministry, not quite ready for the full adult life. Um, you know, Neil, I've also seen it uh, in those church situations where marrieds and singles get segregated. I don't know if you've seen this, um, but I've seen, you know, separate sermons. So the marrieds get one sermon about marriage, um, which is normally about, you know, communication and the spark and God being the centre of your marriage um, and sometimes about sex. And the singles get another sermon altogether. It's like singles aren't capable of hearing truths about marriage and especially marriage as a symbol of our intimacies with God which let's face it one day marriage isn't going to exist it's all going to be about our relationships with God so yeah I find it really interesting the way the church sometimes steps into that zone of uh, well you know we can't kind of have the singles on the same level as the marrieds. We need to treat them differently. Steph, I mentioned in the earlier introductory segment uh, that mm. you were a psychologist and you've done mm-hmm. some research into the sociology of romance. Uh, how does that fit into a person who's single and perhaps that person who might be aspiring to marriage one day? What is this sociology of romance? Yeah, I think there is an idea out there that... Um, We need someone to love us, partly for ourselves to feel complete, um, but also this idea of marriage being um, a bit of a, like a stamp of of lovability in society's eyes, a stamp of worthiness. So, you know, the fact that I've got a spouse or a partner means that, well, this this is proof. It's evidence that I really am lovable and deserving of a a relationship that fulfills my needs. So the implication of that, I don't know if it's ever made explicit, but there is an inference there that if you are single, then you don't have that stamp of approval. And that's when it can be kind of get onto rocky ground because that can lead to assumptions about that single person. Why don't they have that stamp of approval? Is there something wrong with them? Is there something they're not doing? Um, as Christians, sometimes we spiritualize these things. So, oh, are they, are they in sin? Are they in unrepented sin in their life? Um, is it because they lack faith? Maybe they're just not praying enough about it. Um, whereas, in fact, we know that often single people are praying quite fervently about a future spouse, a husband or wife. Um, so, yeah, that can often leave singles feeling like, you know, 
maybe there is something wrong with them. A lot of single people I talk to do end up in this zone of not just frustration, but of self-doubt and second-guessing themselves and wondering if they are in sin or if they have missed something that maybe God has been trying to tell them. So, yeah, it's quite profound. Steph, reflect for me uh, for a few moments on the single person and they might be aspiring to romance and the the sorts of things that you've been talking about there. And Mm. perhaps there is frustration that things are not happening as fast as they'd like. Uh, They want Mr. Right or Miss Right to be there and they want them to be perfect, all of those sorts of things. What do you say to the single person in order to survive and to know who they are? Uh, Sometimes we talk about identity, our identity in Christ, rather than the identity that comes uh, from this loving acceptance that comes from another. Uh, How do you talk about contentment in the realm of discussing singleness as a Christian? First of all, I think that contentment is a battle that we all face, no matter our marital status. I think there's always um, longing and desire in our lives that is often unfulfilled, and sometimes there's loss as well. So I think for the single person, that lies along a spectrum that we're probably all sitting on as far as feeling unfulfilled in some domain of our lives. Um, But for the single person, I, I think you've touched on a really good point, which is pursuing our identity in Christ. I think that's really countercultural, and I think it's key for Christians and for churches everywhere to be pursuing counterculturalism as much as it is in line with God's word. Um, because, you know, we can't be swept along with, yeah, this is what's fashionable in our society today. This is the message that our culture gives us about value and worth as a person. I think singles need to remember that they have a lot to contribute, that they have an inherent worth as God's child, and that they have skills and abilities and passions to pursue. And one of the exhortations that I give in the book Surviving Singledom is to, if you like, get some of that maybe frustration and angst of of not um, having a spouse where they want a spouse to be and channel that into serving Christ, into wherever they feel that their passion really lies, to actually use that to drive them deeper into their walk with God, to channel that into their hunger with God and their prayer life, um, and for that to be a real prayer life as well, not a, a pretense of, God, whatever your will is, is fine. No, I mean real raw, gritty prayer that tells God exactly how it is. Um, But I think that all of our sufferings in life, all of our trials actually prompt growth in our faith. I don't think faith grows when we're happy and content. In fact, sometimes it's when we're at our most complacent. I think there's a real place for suffering as much as we hate that idea because it does prompt our faith to grow. And I don't think our faith can grow without it. Um, I think that suffering sometimes is underestimated in our society. I think we like to avoid suffering and pursue happiness. That's homeostasis for anyone playing at home with some psychobabble. Uh, but it, it's true, even in the church, it's presence that we, when someone's suffering, we want to pray for them, we want to fix them, we want to give them cliches and make it all better. And sometimes we just need to sit in the suffering and say, I don't know. I don't know what God's doing don't know what he's got in store for you, but I really want to walk with you on this journey. And for singles, I'd say if they can get some social support around them, um, some really good genuine friendships to help see them through, that can be a godsend. And tell me about 
being shallow or being deep because you're talking about issues of prayer, issues of faith, uh, where we place our hope for the expected future. There's a sense in which you can be very shallow about all that and hope it all uh, you know, falls the right way. But what you're saying is you need to be a candid prayer warrior, a person who can get before God in the midst of all the hardships and dig in deep. And uh, you need to be a person of faith. This is not a time to play around the edges. This is a time to deepen your Christianity. How do you reflect on those things? Absolutely. I think there's a lot to be said for for using times of struggling to really dig in deep and have honest conversations with one another, um, as well as honest prayer with God. Um, I think that, you know, superficiality in our conversations is a bit of a, a social phenomenon. I think we do it when we're, you know, distracted or tired or in our own world, whatever it may be, and we don't really kind of listen to what someone might be saying to us. Listening is obviously, as a, a counsellor, it's something that I think a lot about and, and talk a lot about. Um, so I think when we're at church, when we're with singles, when we're um, ministering to singles, yeah, we need to be thinking about um, what what are they really saying at the moment? What do they really need? What's actually going on for them? Because I think as long as we keep it superficial, the needs of singles and really the needs of our church community can go unmet. Um, so we really need to be, yeah, paying attention to the messages that our, our church is giving us and that, that individual voices are giving us as well. One of the exhortations in my book is for singles to speak up you know, when they have the, the time and energy <laughs> to do that. So the church needs to be in a position of listening and taking that on board when someone puts their hand up and says, yeah, I've got a genuine need. And that's where I think we can go beyond the superficial, beyond the shallow and into the deeper realms when we're prepared to come to church, not just to see what we can get, but to see, you know, whose need can I be meeting today? God, would you lead me? Holy Spirit, would you show me um, who it is that's in need today? And I'll I'll come alongside them and I'll just be available. You know, maybe that's all I need. If they need more, I can do more, but I'm just here to be available. I think that's a huge challenge to any Christian lifelong. Well, Steph, great getting your insights. Author Steph Penny, who is a psychologist, and you can get into some great reading material all about singleness when you get a hold of Steph Penny's book called Surviving Singledom. Now, you can get it from Steph's website. It's called stephpenny.com. That's S-T-E-P-H, penny.com. It's soon going to be released on an ebook format. And there is a book launch that's coming up on Thursday, the 24th of November in Sydney. But uh, the way to get a hold of Steph's book, stephpenny.com. Steph, thanks so much for talking to us today here on 2020. It's a pleasure, Neil. Thank you again for having me. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.